Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone, and a blessed new year to all of you. One of the hard things about uh, this time of the year is that the lights go down. And I don't know about you, but this is a dark time of the year, and not only is it dark, but it's it's cold, right? And uh, every year, uh, my wife comes to me and says, Luther, do we have to take down the lights? Uh, it's just a fact of life, though. It can't go on forever. Uh, this is the last time you'll see the lights here at church, so get a good look, okay? They're coming down, and most of you have probably already put yours away. And yet, in the church, uh, we begin a new season called Epiphany. And the word epiphanos in Greek means to make manifest, to show forth, to reveal, to shine forth. And that's what we're going to be doing in the church uh, year for our message series about how Christ reveals Himself to us, and not only to us, but then that love that comes to us is revealed through us as well. Well, in the midst of taking down the lights, we have as our gospel lesson the story of the Magi and how God led them with the light of the star, the light of His grace. The, uh, the word Magi really is the plural form of magician. Did you know that? And while we often on our Christmas cards and in our Christmas carols, we often picture three wise men on, on camels, the fact is we don't know how many wise men there were. There could have been two, there could have been 20. And accompanied them was a whole entourage, could have had their, their families with them as well. They offered them three gifts, so that's why I think we, we often refer to the three wise men. And yet, 
the story of the wise men is one of God's all-inclusive love. This is often called the Gentile Christmas epiphany, that God was not specific to a certain people. He was not parochial. I went to parochial school. He's not narrow in, in his scope of who the love of God is for. God and his plan of salvation is for everybody. The wise men. Uh, sometimes I've heard that term, the wise men, called an oxymoron, especially by women that I know, okay? Uh, sometimes my wife refers to me, says, Luther, you never ask for directions, okay? If the wise men would have stopped along the way and asked for directions, they may have got there earlier so they could celebrate the birth of Jesus with the shepherds. Or uh, the wise men, you know, oxymoron like uh, jumbo shrimp or civil war, okay? Uh, wise men, they, they might have got there and they would have offered uh, practical gifts to the baby Jesus, you know, things that he could have used like diapers and toys and things like that. But at any rate, the wise men were very, very important in the ancient world. Uh, biblical scholar John MacArthur says this about them. He says, because of their combined knowledge of science, agriculture, history, and the occult, they became the most prominent group of advisors in the Medo-Persian and subsequently the Babylonian Empire. Historians tell us that no Persian was ever to become king without mastering the scientific and religious disciplines of the Magi. And then the king, in order to be king, had to be approved and elected by the Magi. And so it's no accident that when the Magi were led by the star in the sky, they were first led to Jerusalem, and they went to King, King Herod, and they were immediately given an audience. They were immediately led in to see the king. That's how prominent the Magi were. And yet the Magi were foreigners. They were, in the Hebrew word, they were goyim. They were Gentiles. They were outcasts. They were strangers to the covenant of God's grace. And that's why the, the bottom line for this story for us is the all-encompassing nature, the all-inclusive nature of God's love for every single person. God's divine plan of salvation was nearly killed as the wise men made a fundamental mistake. They uh, sought the newborn king in the royal palace of King Herod in Jerusalem, and this... They, this is where the princes lived. This is where the king was. They thought that's where they would find out. And so in verse 2, they come to the king and they say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We have come to worship him. Where is God? Where are you, God? You know, the very first question in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 was asked by God of his people. It was after Adam and Eve had sinned, and remember, they tried to, to hide from God, and God says these famous words. My dad always used to say it in German, wo bist du, where are you, okay? And yet, ever since fall into sin, it's been humanity that has, been, that has turned that question, and oftentimes, it's people who say, where are you, God? The Magi, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Have you ever asked, where are you, God? Have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance where you just wonder, where are you, God? And so God has to answer that question. He did for the, for the Magi, and He answered it in the person of His Son, Jesus 
the Christ, the promised Messiah. And God still answers that question, where are you, in His Son, Jesus, and His all-encompassing love for every single one of us. Well, you know, the, uh, the Magi didn't know what a terrible king Herod was. Herod was a despot. He ruled by fear. He was ruthless. If anyone got in his way, he had him eliminated. Uh, while ruling for 44 years and nicknamed Herod the Great, he had one glaring flaw. The older he became, the more insecure he became, the more suspicious he became. Until in his old age, he was a murderous old man. Any rival to his power was completely wiped out, killed. History tells us that he murdered his wife named Mary Amney. He, he murdered her mother, Alexandra. All of his sons were assassinated. And the last one, the youngest, was ready to take over the throne five days before Herod died. And yet he had him killed too. It was Caesar Augustus who, who uh, described what was going on. He uh, said bitterly that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be one of Herod's children. And so Scripture tells us that the Magi appeared and they started asking questions. Where is this child? And King, it says in response in, in verse 3 that Herod became disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Those who knew the insecurity of King Herod, they were also upset because they knew that the king would have something up his sleeve to try to get even. Sure enough, he says to the wise men, now just go on to Bethlehem, and when you find this, this king, this child king, come and tell me, and I will worship him too. Well, that was a ploy, because as soon as the wise men left, he started rounding up his troops. History tells us that he had every baby boy within a five to ten mile radius of Bethlehem murdered. He was ruthless. But in the meantime, what happened? The star led the wise men, the magi, to the place where Jesus was. It said he was led to the house where Jesus was. And the response, Scripture says they were overjoyed. They were filled with exceeding joy. Eugene Peterson, in the message paraphrase, says they could hardly contain themselves. The fact that God had revealed himself to that question, where are you, God, that God spoke to them and led them to his answer in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, where they could worship him and trust him. It says they were, they were just overflowing with joy. And what did they do? In response, it says the first thing they did was they bowed down and they worshiped him. Thank you for spending the first weekend of 2018 here because that's what we do. We humble ourselves before God. We worship Him. And the joy that He gives us in knowing God's love, it just overflows. It did for the, for the wise men, and they offered, they offered their gifts that they had brought for Him. There were three gifts. What were they? Can you tell me what they were? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's one of the great trivia questions of the Bible, isn't it? I mean, people who never come to church, if you ask them what the gifts were, uh, we tend to know what those are. Gold was the most precious metal, and it was often given to kings. And uh, that's who Jesus was, God's king. Uh, myrrh was an ointment that was often given for burial. It was a very expensive ointment, and it was a prefiguring 
of the fact that Jesus would have to die for the sins of the world. And finally, frankincense was a very expensive incense that was used only at high festival times by the priest in the temple when they would say their prayers. And they would light the incense and the fragrance and the smoke would rise up to heaven just like the prayers of God's people. And so they overflowed, they, they bowed down, they worshiped, they offered him their gifts. And in the end, they were surprised. Herod was surprised. Why would God reveal himself to these foreigners, to these Gentiles? Why would God's love be that inclusive? And yet, that's who God is. The Bible says God is love. That's his very nature, that God so loved the world so that everybody is included in his offer of salvation. I have always enjoyed what Jesus said in John chapter 12. He's referring to what would happen to him on the, his death on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw not some people, not a majority of people, not just Lutherans, not just people from the United States. He says, I will draw all people unto myself. And friends, sometimes that's a concept that is hard for us to grasp. I know it is for me. Sometimes I wonder, God, do you really love so-and-so? Do you really like them even though they are so, such a sinner, sinful person? And we, we, we tend to become kind of like Herod, and we start to question God. Why would, you, why would you reveal yourself to them? Why would you include them? When I was in junior high school, I had gone to a parochial Lutheran school for grade school, and when it came to seventh grade, uh, I, was, I, I went to a larger public school. It was a big junior high school, and uh, there was one kid that was there who was scary looking. He was in seventh grade, he was bigger than anyone else, and he was already shaving in the seventh grade. I mean, this guy was, was, was creepy looking, okay? And everybody thought he was a bully. And everyone, no one would, would befriend this guy. And one Sunday morning at our church, at Zion Lutheran Church, all of a sudden, guess who came in to worship? This guy, the big guy, the, sha the shaving guy in seventh grade, the bully, uh, comes in with his parents. And after church, I said, Dad, did you see that? He says, yeah, that's a new family, and they're coming to church here, and he's going to be in your confirmation class. Oh, boy. That's not going to be good. You know, and we start to, to prejudge and we start to, in our own minds, exclude people from, from, from God's plan, from His circle of love. We all do it. It's, it's nature, sinful nature. And yet, for, for my sake, uh, while it was hard for me at first, I befriended this guy. And I found out that he was, a, he was a great guy. He became one of my best friends. God's love is bigger than we think. And when you think about it, just think how, God, how surprising not only God's, the nature of God's love, but think how surprising it is how God works. He uses means and methods that are way beyond our thinking and way beyond our understanding. We've got two baptisms this week, and I had one. Pastor Dan's got one now in the late service down there. And it's mind-boggling how God can take a little baby, can't understand a word you're saying, can take that baby 
and through the waters of baptism, by the power of God's Word and promise, when you connect that together, that God can come into a child's life and into his heart and her heart. It's amazing that God, as Pastor Max said last week, can adopt us into his family even though we do nothing to deserve it. And then you think about how God can use a simple meal with just a little wine and a little bread that in with and under that bread and the wine, the very presence and power of Jesus become part of ours in the sacrament to assure us that our sins are forgiven and that we can start out the new year with the very presence and power of Jesus in our lives. It's amazing to me that you can spend five minutes a day in the morning with the Lord. Just a little devotional time where you listen to Him and His Word and you talk to Him in prayer. It's amazing how that can change your life and it can change your attitude and your outlook and your approach on life. Isn't that surprising? It's amazing It's that God's love is that powerful, that inclusive, that strong. But you know what the most amazing thing is for me? Is that God would love me. He knows everything about me, just as He knows everything about you. And yet, in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my sinfulness, God still loves me. That's a miracle. And as a result, what's our response? Well, the, for the wise men, what did they do? The first thing they did is they said, thank you. They worshiped the Lord. They bowed down. They, they humbled themselves and said, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you and your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord as they offered Him their gifts. And as we go into 2018, that's our response too. You know, one of my New Year's resolutions, I know it's old-fashioned to make New Year's resolutions, probably because we can never keep them, right? But one of mine is that I want to be more thankful. Rather than being critical, rather than being a crabby old man, right? I want to I want to overflow with that love and that mercy that God has given to me. And so that's my New Year's... Re- By the way, have I, ever, have I said thank you for you? I'm a, you are a blessing, all of you. Thank you for being here today, and, and uh, you continue to amaze me. God is at work, isn't He? And so our lives are overflowing with joy, just like the Magi. A story that I read this week... Uh, really touched me and permit, permit me to read this. It happened during the Great Depression when earning enough money to eke out a living became a family affair. And oftentimes, even parents would send out their children to try to make some money. And one of the things that happened in our larger cities is that little children would go around and they would knock on doors and they would ask for old newspapers. And when they would take them in and recycle them, they would get a few cents for all this stack of newspapers. Well, one time, uh, two little children knocked on a family residence in the city. It was cold and snowy. The lady of the house let them into the porch area of her home. And uh, two little kids looked up and said, Any old papers, ma'am? I was busy, the lady said. I wanted to say no. Until I saw their little feet, little sandals on little feet sopped with snow and ice. Come on in, I'll let you warm up, and I'll get you some hot chocolate. Well, she led them to their front room, their living room, 
There was no conversation. They sat down by the fireplace. Their soggy sandals left marks all over the floor. She says, I served them cocoa with toast and jam to fortify them against the chill outside. And then I left them in the front room for a while while I went back in the kitchen to do my work. She said, the, the silence in the front room struck through me. I looked in, and the little girl was holding up the cup, looking at it. The boy asked, are you rich, ma'am? I looked at my old worn-out couch and the frayed carpeting, and I said, am I rich? Mercy, no, I'm not rich. The little girl then took the cup and put it on the saucer carefully, and she said, your cups match the saucer. Her voice had one of hunger, so I gave them some more to eat. And then they left holding their bundles of paper against the wind. They didn't say thank you. They didn't need to. They had done more than that, much more. Plain blue pottery cups and saucers, but they matched. Potatoes in brown gravy, a roof over our heads, a husband with a steady job. These things matched too. And so I moved the chairs from the fire and tidied the living room. The muddy prints of small wet sandals were still on the floor. I let them be. I want them there in case I ever forget just how rich I am. Friends, we are rich. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 4. He says, because of His great love for us, we are rich in mercy. God's love is just all amazing, isn't it? All inclusive. And it has made us so wealthy. And so like the, 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 the wise men, we are overflowing with great joy as we begin this new year, 2018. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's my resolution. I want to be more thankful. And I pray that the joy of Jesus lives in your heart and in your life so that it overflows as you trust in Him and as you live for Him. And just like the Magi, you know, you worship and honor Him too. Amen? Amen.